Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Yeah, if you go to Gavi, I think they want to have one in 2025 or something like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So BlackRock uh, continues. An unprecedented response will be likely involve going direct. Going direct means the central bank finding ways to get central bank money not to commercial banks, but directly in the hands of the public and private sector spenders. What is a right. PPP loan? Yeah, exactly. And that's what we were just talking about earlier, right? The ability for them to cut out what they consider to be the middleman or the commercial banks and just having them be the only ones between the uh, buyer and the seller. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's see. There's a little more down here. Yep. So additional measures uh, to stimulate economic growth will have to go beyond the interest rate channel and go direct. When a central bank crediting uh, private or public sector accounts directly with money, that's folks, that's helicopter money. That's what they're talking about. You know, literally you have the Fed flying over, you know, cities and dropping cash from a helicopter. <laughs> um so this can be done directly through fiscal policy or by expanding the monetary, monetary policy toolkit with an instrument that will be fiscal in nature, i.e. PPP, such mm-hmm. as credit easing by the way of buying equities. All right. Wow, this is really interesting stuff. We would highlight two key points on helicopter money. First, the <laughs> fiscal expansion it represents. Second, this boost to the stock of money has to be permanent. And we wonder why we have inflation 18 to 24 months later. <laughs> Jim, you could do a whole book not of we, this stuff. Not we, they, they. They wonder why, right? It's a mystery. It's a mystery that inflation just came out of nowhere, even though they printed trillions of dollars in late 2019, <laughs> early 2020. And then two years later, we have massive inflation, and they can't figure out why. Exactly. And then they send all the bankers on TV to tell everyone there's inflation, which doesn't make things better. It makes it worse. (laughs) So that's all part of the propaganda part of it. Right. So going direct by country in the U.S., there's options to implement. Congress could create a special treasury account at the Fed and authorize Federal Open Market Committee to fill the account up to a preset limit. Highlight over that uh, comment. Is it blank? Why is it? Maybe it's blank. Oh, wait, no. I see it somewhere there. Uh, it, says, it says, give the Fed In other words, U.S. sovereignty <laughs> slowly to not alert the angry public. <laughs> give the Fed U.S. sovereignty slowly to not alert the angry public. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you can keep going, scrolling down. <laughs> Okay, I think right, we're that done with that. that one. All right, let's see. Now this is the next one here. Oh, here's a. Uh, this is blue, blue carbon, carbon coalition. coalition, and this is only uh, two pages. Yeah, have you ever heard of blue carbon? No, only because you told me. Uh, but other than that, no. 
<laughs> I had never heard of it prior to doing <laughs> finding these documents either. <laughs> so gathering governments, non-governmental actors, and private actors. Notice they never said the public. <laughs> uh, the Blue Carbon Coalition aims to accelerate investments in coastal carbon sinks. <laughs> Another term I had never heard of. <laughs> Coastal wetlands, mangroves, salt marshes, and seagrasses have an outsized role to play in mitigating and adapting to climate change. When protected or restored, these ecosystems sequester and store globally significant amounts of carbon in the plants and soils beneath them, known as blue carbon. Okay, is anybody familiar with what happened to uh, the, the marshlands in Florida? Was this where they were doing the sugar cane stuff, or uh, was it sugar? Well, they went and they they had they have so much of the petrochemical fertilizer and herbicides and pesticides runoff that it's killing the whole ecosystem. That's the red. Is that the Red Sea or the red whatever it's called? Red algae, I think the red algae stuff. Yeah, yeah. So so. I don't, and I didn't read about any of these documents about you know cutting back on the uh, petrochemical fertilizers to save the ecosystems of the mangroves. Anyway, no, we need to spray the skies with aluminum and block the sun. <laughs> That's what we have right, to do. or or uh, I can't wait for somebody to write in and tell us what's going on with uh, that other heavy metal arsenic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. The question that you post. By the way, I got a question for you. So yesterday, we we, we took Willie to go to his first sunset. There's a good, like, overlook here about 12 minutes away, right? So I'm looking up at the sky. They're spraying the crap out of it. Like, there's chemtrails everywhere. And so I'm watching one plane flying across, emitting a chemtrail. Though there's two other planes flying with nothing coming out of the back of it. So I'm, I'm trying to film it, but it's very hard to film the sky, even with an I, a good iPhone, uh, just to get yeah. the focus and everything. So I'm, I'm watching it going, well, there's one spraying something, and then there's two that are not spraying something, but they'll tell you that the spray is just, you know, the oxygen, water, the vapor. water vapor being released into the sky. Well, why is one spraying something? And then there's two flying that aren't spraying anything. There's a documentary I watched on this geoengineering. Um, yeah. It's pretty fascinating, but it was, a, it was a few months ago that I watched it. So I don't have a lot of the details memorized. But folks, you can Google this and watch it on YouTube. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, they admit they do it. So, Yeah. Yeah. As soon as we finish this page, I want you to pull up something on the arsenic real quick. So the Glasgow COP26 marked an inflection point in the recognition of blue carbon as an essential nature-based solution to climate change. The goal is to develop conservation models that benefits the livelihoods worldwide with a focus on least developed countries, or LDCs, indigenous peoples, and local communities. In other words, the poor southern hemisphere. <laughs> oh my gosh all right pull up a web browser real quick all right on, let me see what we've got here it's gonna get in line all right what are we looking for here 
Search global arsenic production. Go to images across the top. Click on that first image. Okay, let me see. How do you um just click on it? Maybe you can get make it bigger. Uh Google changes this like every day. It's a pain in the neck. All right, all so right. this goes all the way back to 2010. We were at forty-one thousand tons or whatever it is. Yeah, metric tons. And it slowly declined to twenty nineteen, where we were down to thirty-two thousand metric tons. And then wow. in 2020, we're at 80,000. Is it 60,000 or 60,000? Oh, 60, yeah. And in 2021, 59,000. What caused that massive jump in arsenic production? Now, you've looked this up and you have not found an answer? I haven't spent a whole lot of time because I was reading 3,000 pages of other documents. Oh, no, I, I didn't know a, if you had actually tried to research it. No, no, very minimally. And I'm, okay. I'm not a scientist. I don't know what arsenic is used for. I just, I know it's poison and I know it doubled going into COVID and I don't know why. And it doesn't make any sense just on the surface. I'm going to ask somebody, but just out of curiosity, let's just see. Production of arsenic. Click the first people ask question arrow down. Was it? Oh, it's high no. levels of arsenic. Never, never mind. Yeah. Global scale arsenic pollution, arsenic dilemma, arsenic risk. No, uh, yeah, there's nothing that pops up on the first page of interest here. I'll, I'll look into it and see. I'll ask uh, a gentleman I was telling you about before as a scientist, see if he knows. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's see. We've got here, uh, this is a two page document here. This yep. is uh, this is the. Uh, I'm trying to read it here. What's the, the name One of the Planet Something Summit in the Leadership Coalition? So, a group of companies and actors working to implement ambitious pricing for carbon. The CPLC is a voluntary initiative that brings together leaders from government, business, civil society, and academia. Although I wasn't part of the civil society, I'm not sure if you were, uh, <laughs> to enhance global understanding of carbon pricing as a tool for accelerating and financing effective climate action. Its purpose Ooh. is to promote carbon pricing as an effective tool to reduce emissions so that 50% of the global emissions are covered by carbon pricing in, by 2030. Okay, so what does that mean? It means they're going to put carbon taxes on top of anything that they they deem as a CO2 polluter and cause massive inflation. <laughs> That's what that means. Wow. Strengthening carbon pricing policies to redirect investment commensurate with the scale of the climate change. In other words, we don't want you to drill for more oil and natural gas, so we're going to put a massive methane tax on there, which, by the way, went into effect January 1st, yesterday, uh, in the U.S. So you said they put a methane tax on what, drilling? Yeah. Now, let me ask you this question. 
from from your perspective and someone who's in this industry and has been in it since what 2010 you said yep okay do you see that these international bodies you know starting with let's say the bis and then un climate and all this and we know that the climate hustles a racket right are they actually trying to do just for the audience are they putting those type of policy measures into place because they're actually trying to hurt and attack uh the fossil fuel industries or are they knowing that it's never going to go away that fossil fuels are never going to go away knowing that they cannot replace it all with wind solar and batteries um are they just doing it to end up driving up the consumer prices and hurt you know regular people out there what like what do you think the real goals are it's the latter okay again if you start with the end result what their goal is is a cbdc microchip in your hand and a carbon-based economic system with a digital id right Mm-hmm. To get people to accept that microchip, you have to starve them to death via inflation or freeze them to death also via inflation because the price of electricity from natural gas will go up a lot with these taxes. And then if people are cold and hungry, more people will accept that chip in the hand. It also plays into a role these guys are all they're dishing out carbon credits to each other al gore owns a ton of carbon credits he's admitted it for like a decade now well they want the value of those carbon credits to go a lot higher right so so but that's how they would be so the elites uh let's just put al gore in the elite class right so the elites are running around with all these let's just like consider them worthless carbon credits in their pocket right so they have to drive the price of that those up right to increase their own personal wealth and then mm-hmm. they're able to go and sell these worthless carbon credits to people to companies that are deemed to be polluters so it's a way for the elites to siphon off cash to basically extort these people to enrich themselves uh, by forcing these people into this made-up system so they're able to do that and then at the same time uh drive up inflation which drives up the prices to starve out the middle class and everyone else to make them so miserable living inside you know of this like rotting decaying hellhole and then that drives them into the full-blown cbdc prison planet slave system with ubi correct with you well yeah i mean ubi and all that'll be part of it yeah right Right. So think about Exxon. Why is Exxon investing a ton of money in carbon capture uh, systems? Well, just like Tesla gets carbon credits when they build an EV car, when Exxon invests money into a carbon capture system, they get carbon credits. And it, it, it makes them offset the carbon that they supposedly emit is, that is bad from their oil and gas operations. And they are, quote, unquote, net zero. Net zero does not mean zero CO2 emissions. Net zero means you buy enough carbon credits to offset the CO2 that you emit. Yeah, it's like the new branding over the last couple of years on the net zero bread, uh, like the net zero carb bread. 
It, it doesn't have mm-hmm. zero carbs. The, the whole marketing behind that is like, it, you're going to have zero carbs by the amount of energy you expend like while you're chewing on the bread. I'm serious. Like how many like calories you're burning while you're chewing? I mean, it's so ridiculous. I looked it up one day. I was like, what the hell is net zero carb bread? It has carbs in it. Well, that's like how it works. And so it's just a made up system. But here's the thing. So the carbon caption system, which you mentioned before, what is that is that like supposedly actual technology that filters out pollution or or is that a system that captures sequestration so they're like you know if you got a smokestack at a coal-fired power plant you put some uh technological i don't know i don't know the details of it but you put this system next to the smokestack that supposedly traps and captures the co2 which then you can sell to other industries that use co2 uh in their you know like product or or uh, uh, manufacturing, right? Um, you can actually, interestingly, one of the ways to get, it's called enhanced oil recovery. Okay. So when they drill an oil well, you know, that well, every well depletes over time because okay. the pressure goes down, right? When they first poke a hole, the pressure is so high, a lot of oil or natural gas comes out. And then as that pressure deflates, like a like a, a balloon deflates, then you know it might drop 90 percent in the first two years, but then it levels out and it, it will produce for another 30, 40, 50 years, right? They have technology to and they've been doing this for decades, it's not brand new, to go back into that well and and increase the pressure. One of the ways they do that is they inject CO2 into the well, the reservoir. Mm. So Exxon can take this CO2 that they capture, go back to their oil wells, inject the CO2 in the ground, get a carbon credit for it, and also boost oil production at the same time. Okay, so they're getting the carbon credit because they captioned it in the carbon capture system. And put it back in the ground. And put it back in the ground. Okay, so, and they could own all the, the range of companies in that whole uh, supply chain, that yeah. manufacturing process. So, all right, no, I just wanted to understand. So now, if the Al Gores of the world are going to let Exxon get away with doing that, right? It, like, normally, if they were really enemies, they'd say, hey, that's cheating. You're not allowed to sell it back to yourself. Um now, I know you're in the business, but the oil and gas guys are also, the big guys, are also involved with the World Banks and the, the WEF and all yeah. this stuff as well. So they're all mm-hmm. part of it. Um, so what what's the reason behind doing all this? It's not to stop pollution of the planet. Is that to drive out, uh, drive little guys out of the market? Because at the end of the day, the little guys aren't going to be able to afford to buy all these carbon credits. Or buy a carbon capture system? Mm -hmm, Possibly. I mean, if you had a small guy and it cost $64 million to put a carbon capture system on something and they can't afford to do that. You regulate them out, right. Okay. You put a big meth... Well, now, if you just put a methane tax, right, and you drill a well and you've got methane leaks in the well, a lot of them don't have a lot of leakage, but they'll want to make you believe they all do. But let's assume you, this little guy drills a well and it's got methane leaks. And so there's a tax on that that oil that's produced, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what ends up happening is that little guy will then, as he sells the oil into the market, right, it, then 
they have a lesser rate of return, like you said, because they've got to pay this tax at the corporate level, not the market level. But if enough little guys that happens to, then the price of the commodity, oil and natural gas, is going to go higher. Right, exactly. Oh, all right. This is so. This is this is a well, well orchestrated scam operation. I mean, to yep. be able to pull this off. I, I mean, and this is just like one. It's crazy. This is like one thing out of hundreds of these they have going on. I mean, we're looking at all these doc. There's hundreds of these scams. Yeah. Oh, I should have been Al Gore. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> anyways um I'll, i just highlighted the carbon pricing in the americas platform was created in 2018 three countries argentina chile and colombia have implemented carbon pricing canada and mexico are working on it uh quebec and chile co-chairs the carbon pricing of the americas platform invited governments across the Americas to endorse the Glasgow Declaration on Climate Carbon Pricing in the Americas. Okay. Did we vote on that? I didn't no. vote on it. I think you did. You said you liked it, right? <laughs> yeah. We should probably wrap up here. Yeah, let's wrap up. On uh, Can you go... Um, here, you want to just do this one last document with one page? Sure. This balancing the budget. We'll wrap this up. We're about, uh, if you can go just about another nine minutes, I would say. Let's uh, draw okay. this out. This is a nice little uh, chart here. Did you draw this yourself? <laughs> yeah, I did not, but it, it is a nice chart. Balancing the budget. Oil and gas companies cannot be considered Paris compliant if they are prepared to sanction projects that would take the world past the Paris limits. It's got oil and gas, capital expenditure, oil and gas, future uh, extraction and production growth, and the carbon budget. So based on least cost framework, we identify which fossil fuel projects fit in a low carbon future on financial grounds. So some fit, some don't. That's interesting. One oil well works, one doesn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, same with the companies. Oil and gas, um, is some, some they have to cancel some projects, according to the Paris thing. The carbon bubble remains, carbon company budgets. I can't see the bottom of that. Yeah, I'm actually trying to... Uh, hold on, it's being weird. And I'm having a problem actually... Because it's, uh, let me see. I have to go like this. Go. So for some reason here, Jim, it wants to be a pain. There we go. All right. I think there's a page. There's something at the bottom of this, if I remember. Yeah, it's, it's for some reason, it's, it's actually like cut off uh, in the PDF. Hold on. Can you see it now? I can see some of it. So basically what they're saying is that to get to the Paris Agreement, oil and gas production has to go down by 35% by 2040. You know, it's funny how they say this, but then you go and look at their projections for oil and natural gas production in 2050, and it's actually up, not down. 
So let me ask you. So with this, um, okay. Now we're back. We are back in the uh, Paris Climate Accord right now. Did we yeah, rejoin? We are. Okay. Yep. So yeah, Trump had pulled us out temporarily, and then Biden put us back in. Correct. And uh, as far like so, as far as you know, because I I never got into a lot of that stuff. It always bored me. Uh, I just figured whatever it is, I can't stop it. But essentially, what is it? It's just a collection of uh, regulations and rules that we are binding our companies by in sort of this international cooperative uh, market. Is that essentially what it is? So the Paris Climate Agreement um, was laid out pretty, I I think, a detailed whiteboarded uh, from Dr. Shiva. Essentially, okay. it's the marketing arm from the UN and the IPCC where they require all these countries to put money into, um, and then they go out and take that money and give it to NGOs to bribe the politicians of all the countries in the world um, to say yes. that, okay we, rev- okay, we reviewed that in episode 80. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, so that's the net zero, right? So they, the companies then ha- in those countries that were bribed, the countries. Cunt- companies inside those countries have to then purchase so many carbon credits to offset the co2 that they're putting into the atmosphere okay so That's just another another agreement just another racket yep all right so with everything we just reviewed uh today jim what's the moral of uh today's show what's the theme of today's show um i think you really uh, nailed it there was starving people to death and uh, making them cold and hungry. <laughs> I think that pretty much is it. But they want to include you, and they love you. Well, they do love you. I always have to put that in there. That's my favorite one. They love you. Bill Gates loves me. The Bank for International Settlements loves me. The guy at the CVS drive through booster shop loves me. Uh, Biden loves me. Trump loves me. Elon Musk loves me. They all love They're me. worried about your sovereignty, but they're <laughs> based on the system that they want to implement. They're telling you they're worried about your sovereignty, which really means you should be worried about your sovereignty because they want to take it. Yeah. No, no. Okay. That's, that's a good one too. Sovereignty. No, it is. It's, and then, and then they tell you, you know, your sovereignty and your privacy, but we do have to be able to protect you from cyber hacks. So, so you're going to have yeah, to give us all they're your really worried about cybercrime, but they want you to go digital. They want you to go digital and allow them to connect up all of the databases across the public and private sector so they have a complete and total digital footprint on you, of which they're already doing that. They just, like like Maria had sent me, Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Friday, sent me a video the other day of a guy in, um, I can't remember if it was Brazil or Venezuela or somewhere, and he was using his uh, digital wallet to pay with Bitcoin at the grocery store. And the person who had put it out said, oh, yes, look, uh, Brazil or whatever is now finally accepting Bitcoin. And the guy in the video was talking about how, you know, screw the West. This is fantastic. This is completely anonymous. And I'm sitting there going, dude, you're carrying around a smartphone that you pay for, for with a credit card and has your name connected to it. There's nothing you're doing on that phone that's private. They know where you are at this given moment. 
just by tracking you. I don't understand you. the Bitcoin fanatics that say it's all private and it's all secret. Cash is that way. Bitcoin's not. No, and like you said, all these guys, not, not even it doesn't even have to be nefarious. Doesn't even have to be nefarious. What if there's a giant storm that comes through and knocks out power for a month and you can't access the internet, you can't access your phone. You can't charge you it because there's Bitcoin? no electricity. How do you spend it? Exactly. Right. I mean, I will tell you this, even if there's a giant collapse, there's going to be enough idiots out there that'll take your paper cash for a long enough period of time for you to be able to buy some goods and get some food. Absolutely. But if Absolutely. the power, you know, if it's, the power it's, goes it's, down? Go analog. Yeah, go analog means on your monetaries too. Go, go cash. I was in uh, a, a Lowe's or a Home Depot the other day and I sent you and Maria pictures of these uh, these thermostats, right? Because I was like, I was I was waiting. We had to get a quote because uh, we got a uh, a door, a back door that's you know the 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 glass is sh- is shattered. A, a limb fell off a tree and hit it. <laughs> so I got to get a quote, right? So I'm, I'm walking around waiting for this guy to show up, and I look at these uh, these th- thermostats, and it, I took a picture of it. What the the digital the analog thermostats were like twenty or thirty bucks. And the digital programmable ones were like $120. <laughs> like, uh, and I texted you, analog's cheaper. Yeah. Well, that's like I, show, I said to you the other day on the Everything uh, Frederick Facebook page. I think, what was it, the day before Christmas or something like that? When the power went out, there was some kind of uh, mm. outage and Costco was only accepting cash. <laughs> which was was fantastic it was so great yep. and apparently nobody in town could buy anything because no one has cash on them here no it was nuts and people were complaining oh i can't well dude i don't know go to the atm go run to your bank and get some cash i mean seriously it's crazy but it goes i wonder to show. what that uh i wonder what that bougie coffee shop in atlanta would do if the uh if the power is out we're or, closing or, or, the door power but internet out yeah. We're closing the doors. We don't accept cash. I you guess know why the they, power's out. How, how do they make coffee? No, you know why they probably stopped accepting cash? Because the owner was owner probably realized what uh, the rest of us did. They don't teach these uh, kids in school anymore how to count uh, short of a cash register. So they stopped using cash because the guy was losing so much money <laughs> on the kids giving well, out change. Yeah, but okay. Okay. So the old... <laughs> The old uh, registers that look like a typewriter, you're typing all the keys on and stuff, it still tells you what the change is. Yeah, but do you ever go to the grocery store and like you give the kid uh, money and he can't even count out the change that it yeah, tells him? Yeah, yeah. Or you they try to no hand idea. him money after he hits the register and he's like freaked out because you gave him a three extra dollars to balance out the change to 20 and he sits there like a deer in the headlights? I mean, Folks, you want to talk about a giant conspiracy. You don't think they've been teaching your kids common core math and making sure they don't know how to count for a reason. All this stuff, when your kid hits 18, 20, 21, and they can't count, this is all part of what will help drive them into CBDC acceptance as well. Because they're just going to say, you walk around with your wallet and you don't have to do anything. You just scan your QR code and it counts you automatically. I've got one better. I was in, uh, it was about seven or eight years ago. I'm in downtown Dallas in this office building. I go to grab some lunch downstairs in like the food court area and they've got a Chick-fil-A. So I go to the Chick-fil-A. The first thing they do is, can I get a name for the order, right? Mm -hmm. That's what they ask you at Chick-fil-A. So 
Chick-fil-A, I get it. They're not all all over the country yet, so some people may not know what that is. But it's a pretty big chicken sandwich chain, okay? So he says, can I get a name for the order? I said, Jim. He looked at me, and he goes, how do you spell that? <laughs> oh, my So I gosh. paused. I paused briefly, and I'm going, okay, do I give him J-I-M, G-Y-M, or G-E-M? <laughs> So I gave him GYM and I, and he then he took my order and I looked at my receipt and sure enough it had GYM on it. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Do you it's think crazy. you would be able to count change out? No. That's why we feel bad, you know, for the kids and grandkids that they're going to have to live inside this system. But don't worry, folks. The government has these kids totally prepped. They are ready and prepared to live inside this system. <laughs> It's it's a sad situation, man. It is sad, but uh, that's the way it is out there. All right, any final thoughts? Uh, I know you got to run. You probably got to start working again. Would you take like a week off of work? Yeah, I just took a week off. <laughs> I used to do that that's back right. in the day. Yeah. Once you get once you get into podcast <laughs> once you get into podcasting, you could take like a day or two off, and that's it. Uh, then you come back and you realize that you lost 72% of your audience and it takes you a week to rebuild. So I realized there yeah. are no vacation days no, in thanks. podcasting. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. No. So, um, we'll talk privately. We'll, we'll schedule the next, uh, the next one. We'll keep going through these documents. We've got a lot to go through. Yeah, I know. But, you know, it is it is well worth it. And I think this stuff is really important because it puts a lot of the meat and potatoes behind, um, the stuff I've been covering here, people can actually start to see when you're watching Bo Lee and Cecilia Skingsley and the rest of these central bankers up on the stage. This is where all the stuff is coming from, where all their uh, talking yeah. points or, are or from. Biden or Buttigieg or Macron or Trudeau. They're all saying the same things. Yeah, they're all operating off this. And like you yep. said, it all comes from the head of the snake, which is the Bank for International Settlements, and then whoever's behind them, which, you know, that you just have to speculate on. But we'll talk more about that stuff in the future as well. All yep. right, Jim. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, and that's, is that it? Anything else? That's it. We'll talk soon. All right. Well, thank you very much, brother. We appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard from Wide Awake Jim. He has been incredible lending his time to us as he's gone through all these documents. I think between episodes 80, 88, and then he's, what he's done here since episode 120, uh, he's actually probably had close to 250 to 300 documents, charts, and graphs. All that stuff will be up at pain.tv slash gold episode 80 and 88 has everything up. And then, uh, I'll be talking to the young bucks, uh, today, see if they can't get that up tonight. Don't worry. It will all be there. Um, so that's it, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back with Jim. Maybe another show this week. We'll see what he has time for. I've got a few other guests lined up that'll be on here as well. So I think I'm going to have Timothy Shea on soon. He is the gentleman whose show I just went on called The Reckoning. Timothy Shea has a background in science and biology. He was the first scientist that I ever heard call out COVID essentially as a hoax and warning people about the mRNA vaccines. He went on Mike Moore's show, the Thomas Paine podcast, 
in uh, April of 2020 and was warning people. He also appeared on the Douglas Dakota show that I used to produce. He was out there running around trying to tell people. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, some of the stuff he said back in April, what stuff came true, and what he sees coming in the future because i know he's constantly tracking all of these new tabletop exercises that these folks are working on and then on january 4th i have the healing doc from twitter coming on he's going to talk about vaccines in general he's going to be talking about allopathic medicine versus natural medicine we're going to probably get into some terrain theory versus germ theory but i've got to be careful with that because it can get you banned everywhere so we're going to be doing a lot of stuff folks lots of other guests are lined up ladies and gentlemen Gentlemen, please leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts along with a comment. Think about joining us at pain.tv slash gold. Get access to the ad-free video version of this podcast as well as the Thomas Payne podcast. You can join the higher tier. Get access to Mike Moore's Hotwire where you get his highest level of intelligence. Believe it or not, over 50% of the people that have signed up for pain.tv slash gold through me have signed up for the Hotwire people. People love it. He gives out some really good information, uh, whether you're going to use it to hopefully insulate yourself from what's coming or you're going to use it to make better investments or get ahead on supply chain issues. Mike does a great job with that over there. If you'd like to leave a donation for the show, you can do so at donorbox.org slash Dustin Gold Show. Lots of stuff is in the works, folks. I will keep you posted until tomorrow. I am going to sleep, ladies and gentlemen. Happy New Year to all of you. This is the Dustin Gold Show right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. Goodbye. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.